Well, right. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. And uh, yes, the shirt is uh, is quite bright, uh, but the guys have reeled me in, and uh, and so I'm one of the men of legacy. And it's the fourth Sunday, and we're wearing our shirts today. Yeah, that's right. And beyond that, ladies and gentlemen, I want you. I have I've already signed up for the men's retreat in March, and uh, I would love to pack a cabin. 25 legacy dudes, come on. So let's get online, register. It's going to be a great one. Cannot wait. Uh, my old buddy uh, uh, Bob Russell is going to be part of that, so that's really, really cool. It has been an awesome uh, to start our year um, and uh, in devoting ourselves to God. And uh, we have each tried praying and fasting of some kind for 21 days straight. Now, one of the uh, one of the the ways that we've talked about keeping up the habit past the fast is is suggesting that each of us get uh, like a personal prayer journal in place for the rest of the year. And uh, and uh, quite a few a few of us are staying after church today and trying to create our own. But whether you build one or you buy one, my hope is that we continue this habit of spending time with God throughout our year. Um, prayer is a good habit to build into your life. And I'm excited about another um, way that I'm going to help you next week um, to introduce uh, another way to help you build prayer as a habit around here. Um, but the only thing about Building prayer as a habit in our lives is when you get out of the habit, right? You know, um, here's what tends to happen when you get out of the habit of prayer. You feel guilty, and you want to give up, and you want to say, oh, well, God wouldn't want me praying again, right? But don't do that. That doesn't make sense, right? Think about it. Dads understand. Any good dad understands that kids get busy. So he's actually happy any time that his kids voluntarily want to talk. So whenever you fall out of the habit, no guilt, no pressure, you just start praying again. He loves any chance to kind of reconnect with his kids. In fact, Jesus' model in, of, in uh, Matthew 6, there in that prayer, the, the Lord's Prayer, he's just making it easier to know how you should pray. So when he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, he's just saying, praise him in your prayers for who he is, what he's done, right? When he says your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as is in heaven, right? He's just saying pray for you and pray for others to follow God's lead by trusting Christ and doing his will, right? When he says give us today our daily bread, he's saying ask God to supply what you need in life. When he says forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, he's saying hey make sure to ask God to forgive your sins and help you in forgiving others. When he says lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one, he's just saying ask God in your prayers to protect you from any dangers that lurk inside you or outside. Our first Sunday um, we, we, um, we t looked at praising God and we adorned the cross with praises and that was really powerful. The next Sunday, uh, my son Noah and I, which I called you out last week for not being here and didn't realize, uh, yeah, I found out later, yeah, he was, he was preaching in Zephyr Hills. So I threw you under the bus while you were spreading God's good word. I'm so sorry. Um, but um, 
but we we uh, we got to actually share the message and and talked about praying God's lordship and His will in your life and for every life here on earth, like it is in heaven. Um, then last Sunday we focused in on the power of the ask. It was an amazing Sunday in a lot of ways. First of all, Jesus' teachings that free us up to be unashamed askers. Because a lot of times us Christians we're kind of ashamed to ask. We'll, we'll pray real noble things for everybody else, but then we'll feel guilty about praying for our own needs. That, and so Jesus' teachings on this is really empowering, so that's powerful. Then the words of gratitude from Melissa last week, who in her hour of need asked God for help, and our church became the answer to her prayer, and even beyond what she was ever asking or imagining. She's crying last Sunday. I'm crying. We're all in here crying, right? It was really powerful. And then, wow, the comments keep coming in. They've been pouring in nonstop. The extended time of communion, responding to God, was so moving for people. That was, that was a really special moment. In fact, there were many people who said things like this. It was the closest that I felt to Jesus' promise of worshiping in spirit and in truth. Others said, you could feel the presence of God in the room. And that's true, but here's the thing. My message did not, my message did not manufacture that. Melissa's testimony did not prompt that. The band and the songs did not create that feeling. All we did was allow you the extra time and the extra space to spend with God in communion, in prayer, in worship, in praise, in decisions. And that's the key. When you purpose yourself to spend time with him, our father is there. He's present. He's engaged. And you will find yourself saying, it's like I could feel the presence of God because you did. There's something about allowing the time and the space to move and to respond to God's word, his sacrifice, right? His worship. So I'm, I'm going I'm to keep these stations in place, and I promise we will do that uh, more often. Um, in fact, it'll be a great, perfect way to close out our series next Sunday. Today, though, I want us to zero in on the next part of the Lord's model prayer. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Two prayers, really. One is, Father, forgive me. Right? And then secondly, Father, forgive others. So we're going to tackle in the first this first uh, part of the message before communion. We are going to take some time and we are just going to, we're going to look at this first part. Right? In our prayers, we need to make sure to ask for God's forgiveness for ourselves. The word for debt here is that which is rightly owed, but unable to be paid back. It is a harsh, cold, economic word. In God's vocabulary and in his economy, it's often translated sin. Sin is a debt that you justly owe. You have hurt God and you have hurt 
others. It is a debt that you cannot repay. <clears throat> but the word for forgive, totally the opposite. I mean, it has the word give already in it. It's a gift word. It means literally send it away. Throw it away. Throw my sin away. Release its sentence on me. Cancel its debt that I owe. Forgive my sin. Let it go. In 1 John, the Bible says, all wrongdoing is sin. Okay, so I'm out. Yeah, done that. In James, it says, if you know the good that you ought to do and you don't do it, that is sin as well. Well, I'm definitely out now. So it's no wonder that Paul declares this truth about humanity. All people have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, while the Bible says that many of our sins do not lead immediately to death, Paul says the wages of sin is eventually death. But in case you, uh, you know, like our culture does, often think of death or associate death as maybe like the passage right away to being with God, Paul reminds us that that's not necessarily the case. You see, wrongdoers, sinners, he says, will not inherit the kingdom of God in any shape, form, or fashion. You see, the reality is we are doomed to die from our sin and our sinfulness and be separated from God forever. The debt of sin is bad, bad news. The problem about the bad news is that there's there's, there's good news that God has a heart to forgive sin Daniel says even though we've rebelled against him his heart is to forgive Nehemiah says you are a forgiving God gracious and compassionate slow to anger and abounding in love his nature is to want to forgive but sin is serious and God's word says that without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. That's how serious sin is. It's why the ancients did animal sacrifices, right? To forgive this sin and forgive that sin and forgive this, forgive that. It didn't solve the sin problem. And that's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, God in flesh, to this earth to give his life, to forgive our sins, pay the debt we owed and could not repay and do it once and for all time. Even in his earthly life, Jesus said out loud and proud, I have authority on earth to forgive sins. And he did. He was forgiving people left and right, right? It was radical. Like People were like, why? How can you forgive sins? Only God does that. From the irreligious to the most religious. Jesus spelled it out very clearly. I love that one in John 8. He says, you are from below. I am from above. You of this world. I am not of this world. I'm telling you, people, that you will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he, that I am the Christ, the Son of God. And as he continued to warn people of his death that was coming, the night before it happened, he took a cup of wine and, and he said very clearly, 
that this wine, like my blood, my blood will become the blood of a new covenant, a new agreement between God and people. You see, my blood poured out will be poured out for what? The forgiveness of sins. And even in the moments of his death, the very next day, Jesus said very, very clearly, Father, forgive. Forgive them. Eradicate the debt. Throw it away. Tear it up. And though humanity did not know it in the moment, his resurrection would prove it true and make it clear. What was really happening at Jesus' death was that God was demonstrating his own deep love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He paid the debt we owed. In Christ's death, God had made a way for us to, as Paul says, be rescued from the dominion of sin and darkness that we deserve, that we owed, and instead be brought he brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves because in him we have redemption. That means we've been bought back because and by the forgiveness of sins. Debt canceled. Obligatory note thrown away. And this offer of freedom became the best news ever. The good news. And his disciples, they start sharing it, don't they? Right? Uh, all kinds of people start believing it. The first day, right, of the church, Peter, Peter shared it. And the people, says, heard the message, and they're cut to the heart. And they said, brothers, what shall we do? Like, what do we owe for this? And Peter replied, nothing. It's a gift. Repent. Turn to it. Accept it. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And you will receive the offer of all time, the forgiveness of your sins. And like the best bonus gift, better than any set of Ginsu knives, right? You will also receive in this bundle the gift of God's spirit to come live inside of you. And you're like, God's forgiveness and God's spirit. This is like the best bundle gift ever. And, and, and that news just can't help but get out. Even Paul, who was trying to kill these first Jesus followers, he's confronted so clearly by God in all this that Ananias said what are you waiting for man get up call on his name be baptized and your sins pew, washed away and the persecutor of Jesus faithful became the proclaimer of Jesus forgiveness loud and proud he would say friends I want you to know that through Jesus the forgiveness of sins for each and every one of you is for you his forgiveness is for each of you Every one of you who believes in him is set free from every single sin. He and all Jesus' disciples lived their lives and went to their deaths, sharing God's forgiveness. And it's an offer that God holds out for us today. Paul even says God was pleased to do it. He didn't even do it begrudgingly, right? He says he willed to do it. That means he wanted to do it. He, he, he's blessed to do it please please let me do it that in Christ we would receive redemption through his blood receive the forgiveness of his sins because his heart is to forgive see the most important foundational prayer for forgiveness of sins in your life is your prayer of saying to God 
I put my faith in Jesus. I believe that he is the promised Christ. He is the son. He died on the cross to forgive my sins. He rose again so I could live forever in a peaceful relationship with God. And so I gladly submit myself to him as my Savior and my Lord. Not only in my belief and in my baptism, but in the living out of the rest of my life. See, without, without faith in Christ, here's the thing. Your sin and its consequences will be all that's really left. And you don't want to be left with that. But when you respond to Christ in faith, one of the most precious gifts that you receive from God is not just forgiveness of the past sins, but a state of forgiveness from all your sins, past, present, and future, which is like an amazing gift. You know, and what's even over the top more amazing about this state of forgiveness is the tension that it persists through. Paul paints it pretty clear. He says, even in Romans 7, even with Christ in my life, I will find myself wanting to do good. I mean, he's there. God's spirit is just, you know, I want to do good. And yet, the evil of my sinful nature is still right there with me as well. I still struggle with sin. It wages war in my mind. At times, I'll even give in to sin that's work at, win, at work within me. I feel this tension. I feel, you can see it, right? It, three different kinds of, of, of uh, tension in those last words, right? Shame and conviction about his sin. What a wretched man I am. You also sense he feels frustration and desperation. Oh, who in the world is going to rescue me from this body of sin? yet he also feels this sure confidence thanks be to God he delivered me and he's gonna deliver me and gonna deliver me through Jesus Christ our Lord you ever feel that tension Christian even though you are already forgiven you will still struggle with sin and you will actually sin and yet you will remain forgiven by God and do you want more tension than that when you responded to Christ, you also received God's Spirit, you know, uh, um, living in you and with you. And part of His job in the world and in you is to convict you of sin. So at the same time that God is encouraging you of your wonderful forgiveness in Christ that you can be sure of, He will also be convicting you and warning you about any sin present or lurking in your life. And he will even compel you in your voice and in your prayers to humbly ask for forgiveness for your sins, even if your sins are already forgiven. This is a tension, people. But you embrace that tension because that's a good tension. Now, embracing that tension means sometimes we need to practice that tension. There's a piece of paper in your bulletin Go ahead and pull that out there. And uh, one side says, Father, please forgive me. And kind of that red part, I want you to just kind of tear that part. And that's the uh, that's this first part of our message. And uh, we're going to practice this a little bit. And I want you to write down here on this little sheet right here that some sins that you've committed or you struggle with, right? Uh, some of you guys are saying, I don't have enough room. 
That's all right, okay? Just, uh, just some. Just start start to writing some. Look, if you're not a Christian, one of the healthiest exercises that I actually did right before becoming a Christian was to write down some of my sins. It was way uncomfortable, for sure. But I also know that it made my confession of faith and my baptism all the more meaningful because it made my mind more cognizant of my need for forgiveness and it made my heart more grateful for the forgiveness of sins that really happened once I did become a Christian. So if you're not a Christian, this is still a good exercise to do. But also for the Christians in here, this is a healthy practice as well. You are already forgiven. Yes, it's true. Praise the Lord. But God's spirit inside you is still going to help you to feel bad, feel convicted about any sin that you struggle with. And God, your father, just like any dad, is still going to like to hear the humble and sensitive spirit of his kid saying, Father, forgive me. Father, my bad. Right? Even though you're his kid, you're forgiven, you're free. He loves to hear that, this, this kind of spirit of respect and, and repentance in his kid. Repentance in our kids, doesn't it just draw our hearts even closer to them? It sure does. It doesn't repel them away, us away. No, it draws us in closer, right? It makes us even want to hug them, you know? Right? And so, and so this is a healthy habit for us as Christians to confess our sin. I do it often in my prayers. It keeps me humble before him, grateful for his nature and his promise of forgiveness. So write down any, struggle, any sin that you're struggling with or have given in to and just say, Father, forgive me for this, for that. Whatever it is, whether you're a Christian or not, let's practice asking for forgiveness for our own sins. Now, I'd encourage you to get real brave, right? Write down the real stuff, okay? You know, the kind of stuff that you'll be looking over the shoulders, right? Make sure nobody's looking at what you're writing on your paper right now, right? Right? The kind of stuff that, that, uh, that, that you want to, you know, maybe, you'll, maybe it'll go back to junior high days and you'll like fold it and then fold it again and then fold it again, right? Write down that sin that you don't want anybody to know about. But God already knows it, right? Y'all, it's good to confess our sins to God. But you know what's even better? What God does with our sins when we ask for his forgiveness. Because I'll show you what he does. It's gone. It's eradicated. It's tore up. It's shredded. It is no more. And we're just going to pause the message and sing another song. And during that song, you to write down some sins and sing the power of his forgiveness. And if you want to, just during this song, come on up and put your sins in. Watch your sins vanish, thrown away, shredded up, eradicated. Because that's what his forgiveness means. That's what God's forgiveness does every time. God's word promises us if you are open and honest with God and you confess your sins and your sinfulness freely to him, he is faithful and he's just and he will, not might, he, not maybe, he will forgive your sins and he will purify you.
from any sin, from all unrighteousness. That is his promise. So Lord, thank you for your promise of forgiveness. Like kids who feel safe with their good dads, we can confess freely our hands get in the cookie jar. And we can ask you freely to forgive our sins because you are a forgiving God. And your son paid the price for our sins, for our forgiveness. And so we accept it. We're grateful for your forgiveness and celebrate your forgiveness. And right now we just want to practice your forgiveness. And so we write out our sins. We ask forgiveness. We bring them up and we watch them forgiven before our eyes. Disappeared, thrown away, eradicated, gone. Because you are just so awesome. In Jesus' name. Amen. And as those uh, plates are passing, I just want to just kind of go into that second part of that, uh, of this key part of, of Jesus' prayer. Because you got to love the tension that exists in God's forgiveness for the Christian. That you are fully forgiven. You're covered. You're right by God. You're good in His sights. Even though you still sin. And even though He knows it. And even though He's still going to convict you and warn you about the dangers of sin. And you're still going to feel the need inside of your own life to ask for His forgiveness. Even though you're already forgiven. It is a weird tension. But it's that good kind of tension that exists in the life of God and His kids makes sense. It's the kind of tension that's hardwired in a lot of when we think of even among humans. Parents love for their kids and kids love for their parents. And that hardwired into a family. And I know we're imperfect, but he is perfect. But I think about it myself. I'm a dad and I've been telling you stories about my son, Zach, and Noah as well. Now, and I got to tell you about my girl Grace, because you know it's 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 fair, right? We got we just got to bring it. It's got to hit all three of our kids. See, the tests showed it. We were finally going to have that mama's girl, that daddy's girl. We were so excited. So by the time that she was getting ready to be born, I was like an old pro at this. But when she came out. Not with gasps and cries and kicks like I was used to, but silent and blue, limbs dropping lifeless in the doctor's hands, the cord wrapped twice around her neck. I, who am usually not short of words, all that I could muster in that moment was Jesus, 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 please, Jesus. And those nurses worked on her to resuscitate her. And in the nick of time, she went from an APGAR score of two to an APGAR score of eight, which ask any nurse, I think that means she went from death to life. And so she was and she is miracle from Jesus she will forever hold a dear place in my heart because my daughter was dead and now she's alive and my friends if you have trusted Christ in faith God your father says you are my miracle from Jesus my child you were dead in sin 
now you are alive. You were dead in your trespasses, but in my son you were born again. In my forgiveness you were resuscitated to new life. And brothers and sisters in Christ, that life, that forgiveness is assured to you. Whether you're in those seasons where you're walking on sunshine, you know, you can do no wrong, you're just doing everything right. Or you're in those seasons when you're really struggling or you're really confused or you're really arrogant and you're the only one who doesn't know it, you know, or you're stumbling and you're falling or you're bitter and you're jealous and you're negative or anywhere on the map, really. And what I've discovered is that people are really just that, all over the map. I, lo I loved my boys, um, but they could get ornery, right? But my girl, she was the picture of perfection. She was the dream child. She was quiet, cuddly, submissive, puppy dog eyes, right? The, the um, um, obedient, attentive. You didn't need to even discipline her. You know, you would even look at her sideways and she would just start disciplining herself back into line. You know, out of all of our kids, she was the easiest. She was our last, and so I actually started to feel like a baseball player. You know, rounding third. I'm heading for home, right? The game is ours, gentlemen, right? I am the all-star dad. Thank you very much. But something happened that I did not see coming. You see, I had encountered many kinds of people and pets and animals in this life, but I had not yet encountered a creature like one's own teenage daughter. You know what I'm talking about? Sweet to you one moment. The next, her eyes are literally rolled back into the back of her head. One moment, she wants to talk about my life. Next moment, she's unglued and you're to blame, right? It's your camera, but she's offended that you obviously don't know how to use it, you Neanderthal, right? Attitude is dropping, is just dripping from syllables that you didn't even know existed. I mean, right? How someone so perfectly sweet turns into this monster who hurts our feelings and scares us all to death is beyond my imagination. It's not what I had experienced in my life before. It was a point to the point where everyone in the house was walking on eggshells, right? Like scared to death of this sweet little girl turned unpredictable creature. And so one Sunday I had preached an amazing sermon, if I do say so myself, on the power of, in the, of encouraging people with our words. And so that afternoon I said to my daughter, hey, be in by midnight. Then I got the call, 10 p.m. We're going to go see a movie at 10.15 on the other side of town. Now, I'm doing the math. I'm willing to negotiate. And I calmly say, well, that's going to put you home past midnight. All of a sudden, eh, oh, I'm like, oh, oh, I mean, I mean, are you serious? I mean, are you God, like, I mean, don't you even know? And fine, you know, I mean, it's like, and I'm like, and I don't know what a gasket exactly is, um, nor do I know where mine went, 
because I, as they say, I lost my gasket, right? I lost it. I, I was as if I reached my hands through the phone line, grabbed her, and started in with a tapestry of angry, explosive words galore that I dare not share with you. But I will tame them down to something like this. Stop your attitude and about everything. I mean, grow up, kid. You're so mean to all of us. And she's like, well, you're mean to me too sometimes, you know. <laughs> and I start talking even crazier. I'm like, I'm the kindest, most wonderful human being you will ever experience in your life. As I'm yelling at her, right? The problem with trying to talk sense with a teenager is that in no time at all, you begin to sound like one yourself. I was so juvenile, I said, just go to your movie, and I hung up the phone before the teen could, you know, hang it up on me. I look over, and Renee's sitting on the couch with that look somewhere between, where did that come from, and my hero, somebody finally stood up to the girl. <laughs> but then she said the words that pierced the most. So the sermon this morning. And I'm like, I know, I feel so horrible. I'm such a failure. No matter how I tried to justify my actions, no matter how forgiven I actually am in Christ, God's spirit and his word and inside me, convicting me and convincing me, forgive my daughter. And also to ask her forgiveness. See, God will often wreck me to redirect me. That's how God's spirit works inside the Christian. And I'm so thankful that he lives in her too. Later on, she came and she found me. She'd been feeling it too. And before she could say anything, I blurted out, Honey, honey, I love you. I love you so much. I'm so sorry for blowing up at you. Please, please, come on, forgive me. And she did, and she said with a smile, Dad, I'm actually a little proud of you for standing up to me. Because <laughs> it is true, I have been a little mean uh, lately. Please forgive me too, because I've been worried about something, and I've been taking it out on you and Mom. And I said, Honey, I get it. I, I've been stressed too, and I, I, I took it out on you. And through that forgiveness, there was peace again inside me. There was peace inside her. There was peace inside our relationship. And for a while, anyway, there was peace inside our house, right? My friends, that's what forgiveness does. It brings peace. And that peace is not just meant to be received. Hey, God, you know, forgive me, right? But also to be given to, right? The Bible says it simply bear with each other's with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone try this forgive others as the lord forgave you like well how did the lord forgive you well he when uh, before they asked for forgiveness he forgave them right when they asked for forgiveness he taught forgive them when they ask for um, um forgiveness um again and again, and again, and again, and 70 times 7, whatever, you know. Uh, he says, and forgive, right? Even if he knew they would never ask for his forgiveness in their life, he forgave them, right? See what happened to the cross, right? Forgive them. They hadn't done, they, they hadn't repented. They, he didn't, and he didn't just say, I forgive you, like, 
right? He forgives from the heart, and he taught us to do the same. Try it, right, is what he says. How he forgave is how he's calling us to forgive. Now, it's true. Forgiving others and asking them their forgiveness is some of the toughest stuff to do in this life. Your pain, your pride will not want to do it, okay? But forgiveness will bring some of the greatest peace into your life and into your relationships um, with others and even with God. God's kids forgiving each other is a big deal to him. Probably bigger than what most of us would have ever thought. Because think about it, in this Lord's Prayer, as soon as Jesus finishes this model prayer in Matthew 6, he knows what part of the prayer was going to be the hardest and most hotly debated because there's not even an amen after this model prayer and Jesus goes right at it. See those next verses? If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you peace. But if you don't forgive others their sins, you won't have that same kind of peace with him. Right? It's why, Christian, God's spirit inside your heart, his word inside your mind is going to work overtime to convict you and to convince you to show grace to people and exercise forgiveness, right? Giving it freely and asking for it often. Yes, your sense of justice, uh, your pride will fight it, but God's Spirit is going to keep working on you and working in you to forgive. He's not doing that for your condemnation, right? He's doing it for your best. He wants it for your good for your peace. He wants you to have peace in your relationships, your soul, your, your life, right? And forgiveness is the key to peace in your life. So listen to God. Listen to Jesus. Listen to his spirit. Listen to his teachings and his word. Listen to him. And you will hear this often. Forgive. Forgive like I forgave you. It'll be hard. That's why Jesus is teaching you to include it in your prayers. Father, forgive me for how I've hurt you and how I've hurt others. And please help me to have the courage and the strength to forgive others who have hurt me. You need God's power to forgive others. The good news is that prayer is powerful and he is powerful. So pray for the strength to forgive and then practice it. Don't just wait till, oh, I, I, I'll wait till I feel like, well, you won't ever feel like, right? You do actually practice it. Do it. Pray for it. God, this is something I have to do. Help me to do it. I'm going to need you to do this. Because, look, it's not just teen girls who are the most unpredictable creatures. Human beings are. One minute, they're your biggest fan. The next is like they're your worst enemy. One day they're looking out for your good. The next they're looking out for their own. One moment their words are sweet. The next like salt in the wound. That's people. People hurt Jesus. People hurt each other. Sometimes unintentionally, sometimes intentionally. Jesus forgave. Jesus forgives you. And if you are his, you need to pray to forgive others and you need to practice also forgiving others and so 
on the uh, the paper um, that's left, you'll see two things there. Father, help me forgive someone, and Father, help me to forgive something. You can even tear that right there and uh, make two two different ones there. But um, uh, but here's why: some of you have someone to forgive. Some of you have something to forgive. Some of you, it's both. You have you have someone and something that you need to forgive, right? For some of you, it's someone who hurt you, someone who wronged you, and you need to forgive them. And the best way that I've found to forgive people is by giving them to Jesus. And so during this next song, if you have someone that you need to forgive, bring them to Jesus. When we say we're forgiving people, the best way to forgive is to give. Give them to Jesus. You're that, I'm not condoning what they did, but I'm giving them and giving this burden to Jesus. Okay? And so we, we, we do that if it's someone, right, that you need to forgive. For some of you, it, it, it's not a person you need to forgive, but it's something that happened to you that you just haven't been able to let go. But you know you want to let it go so you can find peace. Maybe what you need to do is write down that something and during this song, bring it to the shredder. I think it's cooled down. As a prayer, as a practice of saying, God, I am, in fact, letting this go. Because see, sometimes in our lives, we just need to let it go. There's something in the past that hurt you, and you're still holding on to it, and you need to just let it go. Maybe it's someone give them to Jesus. That's how we forgive. Maybe it's something. Let it go. If during this time you, you need to, uh, you want to trust Christ or you want to be baptized or you want to, uh, or you want to commit to legacy as your church home, come find me. I'll, I'll kind of be over in this area over here or any of our prayer uh, people will be over here as well. If you want prayer, we'll be over in this, that area over there. But the rest of us, I want you to just feel free to think about that person or those people that you know that you need to forgive. And I want you to spend this time even with this song going to the cross and giving them to Jesus. If there's something that you need to give to him, right, from your past, bring it here and let it go. All right? God, we thank you so much. You are so, so good to us. This forgiveness stuff is some of the toughest stuff that you taught us and you called us to. But we understand that it's out of forgiveness that peace really comes. Peace with ourselves, peace with others, peace with you by just letting it go. So as you have forgiven us, please, Father, help us to forgive. As you have forgiven me much, please, Father, help me to forgive much. Spirit, remind me, remind us to forgive, to pray forgiveness, to practice forgiveness. Help us to live it and give it 
all the days that you will give us. In Jesus' name.